Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. The Brothers Osborne are fresh off winning their fourth vocal duo of the year at the CMA Awards as they perform live this Friday at the Anthem in Washington, D.C. They join me to discuss growing up in Deal, Maryland, moving to Nashville for a string of hits, and what it was like for TJ becoming the first openly gay country singer on a major label. Hey, Brothers Osborne, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for having us. So we're here with John and TJ, of course, the brothers. Um, it's and this is sort of a homecoming for you coming to the Anthem in D.C. because I know you you both grew up in in Deal, Maryland. Uh, is, is it always exciting to come home, play, you know, in the stopping grounds? It is. Yeah, it's so exciting to get around back home. You know, we had been there. We played at the, the Anthem towards the end of our last tour and, uh, and it was wild in there and it was cool. I mean, it's such a beautiful venue. And although we never went to D.C. a ton growing up, I mean, we, although we were, well, I don't know, 45 minutes away yeah. or so from there, but it, it does feel that way to go into that venue and be so close to home and see all the people from South County, where we're from, show up and, and just a plus a ton of people that we've, we've gotten to know over the years. It does feel it feels like it does when we play in Nashville, where it's just a bunch of friends and a big celebration. And it will also be the day after my birthday. So there's a lot to celebrate these next couple of weeks. Oh, well, happy early birthday. But, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's that's a really cool area to grow up. My wife always played at the, the Jetty. Her band played at the Jetty and Red Eyes. Are you guys familiar with all those, you know, local haunts? Uh, no, where is that? Where is Red Eyes? They're like right by the bay, right over right over the Bay Bridge. Oh, on the eastern shore? Uh, yeah, as soon as you cross. Oh, over. yeah. So we grew up on the we grew up on the uh, the other side on the western shore um you know so if, you, if you're in dc and you just went due east like for 45 to 50 minutes you'd run right into deal uh which is where we're from that's so cool that it's hey it's, it's all one big dmv region so we consider you definitely local on, on our radio station yeah, yeah yeah hell yeah awesome well congrats uh we're burying the lead congrats on the the big cma award uh just a couple nights ago for vocal duo of the year i think it's I think it's like your fourth time winning it. You sort of trade off every, you know, with, with Dan and Shay, AKA Rascal Flats 2.0, but uh, <laughs> is it, you've won it four times now. Is it, is it just as special every dang time? Yeah, it is just as special every time. I mean, to be honest with you, my brother and I, when we get nominated, are always the last ones to know. This is John, by the way, um, are always the last ones to know because we don't really focus too much on it because we're always very busy. Uh, we're writing, we're on the road. Um, so when we were nominated, it's always amazing because one day we won't even be nominated, uh, which is, you know, the truth. And then fast forward to us winning, we expected Dan and Shay um, to win it again because they're just absolutely killing it. And when they called our names, I was just as shocked as we were the first time. 
Well, it was really cool. And and then, of course, you know, socially you made headlines because, you know, John, you kissed your wife. TJ, you kissed your boyfriend. TJ, you, you came out in February as the first openly gay country singer on a major label. Are you you happy to live in a world where, you know, you can celebrate openly the both of you and, you know, and, and have, have the genre sort of have evolved as it has? Yeah, I mean, it's, it is wild to, to be a part of that and to see that evolution uh, in just the short amount of time I've been, uh, uh, you know, a, a national touring artist or in the spotlight, if you will. And, um, and it was a, a really cool moment to be there, to be with my boyfriend and not feel, you know, there, of course, there's always a little bit of pressure in those moments. Uh, I think particularly for him, he's not, you know, accustomed to that type of, of uh, spotlight. But right. I, um, to be there and to just, you know, mainly feel the love in the room and the support and then to win an award um, while there with him, the whole thing felt like a, a like kind of a, um, a new beginning, I think I hope for country music and, and then, uh, and then also for, for us as artists, as me, uh, as recently coming out, but it's one thing coming out, but then to actually live your life and all of these, all of the other things you get to do, I, you know, I wasn't really thinking about necessarily like, wow, it'd be great to, you know, now that I'm out now, I can, I don't have to fear for anyone like seeing me with another person or, or being affectionate towards my boyfriend and um, to do that and to see the outpouring of acceptance and love for it was extremely uplifting for me just just more in like you know just a just feeling positive about humanity I mean I think things are so crazy in this world right now to like just see that big uh, you know hug from from society was uh it was just very encouraging even outside of 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 me coming out yeah, very happy for you. And and for the country music genre, too. I mean, there's there's been little subversive seeds planted like for the last, you know, for years, you know, and I remember growing up in, in Garth Brooks singing We Shall Be Free when we're free to love anyone we choose or even more recently, you know, follow your arrow, kiss lots of girls if that's something you're into. Um, what, what was it like sort of watching those other artists, you know, growing up or even more recently and hearing lyrics like that? And, you know, I mean, how did that make you feel? And, and just, I guess, how's, how have you seen the genre sort of open his arms? Well, it was just, you know, TJ again here, but I, you know, I mean, you hear lyrics like that, I guess, or, and up until really Casey was talking about it. Um, you know, I mean, even when she had that song, Follow Your Arrow, she got a lot of a blowback, you know, a lot of people were still upset. So even though that wasn't that long ago, you know, you, you kind of, it was beautiful to hear an artist singing about it, but it was also very discouraging to see the reaction that a lot of country music fans had towards it. And I think, you know, from then till now, things have changed quite a bit. And I think the biggest thing that I think that has changed to me is that all of the people that were encouraged that were country music fans, that, that, that were kind of quietly fans of the genre who were gay or who people of color and um, to finally have someone that has allowed them to have a voice in this genre, uh, it made it such a powerful movement. Those people that were there the whole time, they were country music fans the whole time, but felt like they had to hide themselves and shut up. You know, it's like we get told that all the time, shut up and sing. And I think now that we've seen these people come out of the woodwork who are like, hey, I was a closet of country music band because I just never felt like I fit into this, this genre. Now coming out and saying, hey, like, this is awesome. I finally feel like there is a place for me. I finally feel like I can relate to this genre and it speaks and it speaks to me, it speaks for me. So I, that I think is very new and exciting. And it's, it's also very exciting to be a part of it.
Yes, welcome all. No, no need to be a closet country music fan for of anybody anymore. What it's a big tent. Welcome everybody. Um, <laughs> uh, well, cool. We mentioned it earlier, you know, but uh, that you were born in, in Deal, Maryland. But um, tell to explain our, our our listeners will lo- love that you know hometown heroes make good storyline. You know, like how did you how did you all get into music growing up? Like, what sort of artists? You know, were there country people you you loved when you were growing up? Oh yeah, this is John, by the way uh it's funny when we moved to nashville and we've loved country music our whole life our whole lives and then um you know a decade later is when things started actually really happening and then we started traveling the country and doing interviews such as this and one of the questions we got asked the most was how did you get into country music being from maryland and we had no idea that we weren't supposed to be in the country music that's just what we listen to, you know, it's and huge here. <laughs> it's, it's massive. It's huge everywhere. Um, but there's this kind of false notion that it's only um, it's only a, a southern, I guess, a genre. But it's not. It's everywhere. And, and in fact, here in 2021, it's literally global. So, but that's just what we listen to. We listen to a lot of old rock, and it just kind of kind of mixed with country as well. Um, and our parents were both songwriters and musicians, so it just kind of naturally worked that way. Um, they helped pave the way for us to be who we are today. You know, they they attempted um, at you know becoming professional songwriters in the '90s, but you know, a, a couple with not much money and a bunch of kids at the house, it, it was it wasn't easy for them to do it. But for us, um, they they got the um, the uh, the bonfire started. We were just enjoying it. Oh, da- hey man, I t- totally I, I hear you. I mean, I I grew up in Frederick, Maryland, just a couple like an hour or so west of you, probably yeah. hour and a half. Still live here with my wife, but yeah, country is huge here. It's it's it's, it's all not- Maryland. It's big. It's really big. Um, well, cool. So didn't didn't I read somewhere that you guys did sort of like a um a battle of the bands in like two thousand for Anne Arundel County? What was that story? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is TJ. We. We honestly, any place we could cut our teeth or try to get better, get build a fan base. I mean, we started off playing in our hometown in a, in a band called Deuce and a Quarter with our dad. And, um, you know, that was kind of the first time we cut our teeth playing around there. So we would do battle with the bands. We would do talent, like just the talent show at high school, uh, all of that stuff, all the above. But I think the most impression or the most impact that we had on us was playing at all of the uh, like Happy Harbor and Skipper's Pier and places when we were younger in our hometown and uh, getting out there making tips and finally, you know, figuring out what it was like to entertain and also feel that buzz when you're on stage and you're entertaining a crowd. You know, I think it was the first time we got a taste for that. And, um, you know, I think it's, it certainly was the, the seed that was planted to get us here today. Oh, definitely. Well, and then, all right, so you're doing that around the area. Um, how do you actually, you know, make the big, get the big break to sign with EMI in 2012? How did that record deal actually come about? So when I moved to town initially, I went to school um, in Nashville called Belmont University and TJ moved just a little bit after. And then right after Belmont, um, I joined a band with some fellow musicians um, and, you know, we, we tried the thing and, you know, we traveled all over the country for a few years um, and in the meantime, <clears throat> TJ and I had already been writing songs. The band had recorded a few of those songs. Um, and through that world, um, uh, a woman named Autumn House, who at the time worked at Capitol Records, heard a, t- uh, a demo that TJ sang on. 
And, you know, she liked the band, but she absolutely loved TJ's voice, got to meet him. And so that started the whole process. So when the band ended, he and I started playing shows together. Autumn was very excited. He got a, she got us hooked up with a, a publisher named Kelly King. And we just, we started playing shows, not really for any purpose other than just playing our songs out live. And without really any intention set, a buzz happened. And then fast forward maybe a year into it, um, we played a small show at a place called The Basement in Nashville and two record labels came out and we got offered two record deals that night. And we ended up signing with Capital, which eventually became Universal and then EMI. They're all under, they're all the same thing. And um, it's our life, our lives were changed after that. Oh, absolutely changed right from that moment on. I mean, I know the big breakthrough hit that at least I remember on, on the radio was Stay a Little Longer. How did yeah. that how did that one come about? Because I love that that has a great guitar solo in there too. <laughs> but tell me about the you know the recording or, or the writing of that. Yeah, that was um this is TJ and we we wrote that with Shane McAnally, uh, another also great proud openly gay man. And um, you know, we were wrote with him. He just started having kind of a stream of hits and he'd go on to have so many more. But that was the first time we wrote with him and we sat down and I don't think we even had a hook. We just started kind of writing. I just remember singing these whole notes like, you know, something I was wrong when we were kind of messing with that. And and then we slowly started kind of piecing some lyric together. And of course, Shane had so many great ideas. And then we eventually got to the hook, Stay a Little Longer, which was really interesting to me because I feel like if that hook by itself, I wouldn't think like, oh, that's great. Like, what a great hook to write a song about. But the way it falls on the song, it works really, it's one of those common phrases you hear all the time that you, you don't realize until uh, suddenly then we had the song hit and I realized how many times I heard people say, stay a little longer just outside of the song. And then we recorded it uh, with, a, with a friend of ours, Brad Hill. We, John and I uh, we used to do a ton of demos in Nashville and we would produce our, ourselves. And then um, by the time we had we had made a recording of it and then we went out and hit the road, we did a radio tour um and just went out there just just really hitting it hard playing free shows trying to get fans trying to get to know people at country radio and then after uh a couple of years we finally started making some headway and then we went and re-recorded the song because our sound had evolved by then with a, a producer jay joyce and that's kind of where all that came about john uh slayed the solo and um you know there's we, a lot of our albums we have like six, seven, eight minute versions of our songs. Of course, we got to edit them down to like three minutes for for uh, radio. But that's how that song came about. And it was just one of those things we could tell, like even just right from the beginning, before people really knew the song and before it was a hit, it just had that thing that people really liked. And a lot of people would remember it and people would request it. And it, and it just one of the sort of like it was very similar with the, with it ain't my fault, which is another big song for us. Um, when we would play it live before people even knew the song, um, it still had you know the crowd would just be really into it and going wild. So it ended up being amazing. It took us fifty two weeks to get there, but we finally got a number one with that, that song. Stay a little longer. That's great. Yeah. And you mentioned it ain't my fault. An another common phrase people say more than you think, probably. Uh, yeah, but, exactly. Especially nowadays. Yeah, right? 
yeah sure. the politicians are the biggest uh, offenders on that one yeah it ain't my fault uh mistakes were made but um but yeah uh you know it's funny when when i first heard that song it ain't my fault on the radio with that deep voice you know it ain't my fault i i thought it was like trace adkins or something for and then i was like oh my god brothers osborne these guys are cool they're they're rattling off hits but uh you know uh, take me into the writing of that one how'd that one come to you yeah, that was, uh, I need to see again here. That was, uh, John had this kind of drum beat down of, of, a, of a kind of a drum beat that we don't have, like we didn't have anything that sounded like that or felt like that. We wrote that with a, a friend of ours, Lee Miller, who we've written with a lot. He's actually one of the few writers that we've uh, written with that's had several cuts with us. Um, and I, th um, I don't even remember how we came to the the hook being there it might have been john's idea but then lee just started had the idea to say like blame this on that blame that back on that and just kind of blaming the things back on each other and so once he kind of had that concept then we just started kind of like flying through some stuff and we were like man this is like once we got done with that right we knew we had something really special and something really fun Definitely. And then moving right along, shoot me straight was another big one. I always, I looked the sort of, I love the shot glass sort of imagery there with the, what's the line, make it burn the whole way down, lay my six foot four inch butt on the ground. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. Yeah. But um, did you all write that one or who, who covered that? Well, we wrote that, we wrote that with the same person, Lee Miller. And that song was really interesting because it actually originally was a ballad and we got done writing it. And I just remember just being honest with Lee. I was like, look, you know, I, I love the lyrics to this. I think the lyrics are really good. I just don't, um, it's just not a song that I don't think we will end up recording. So we need to figure out something. And I had this lick that I was trying to write over for a while. And it was just that, and I was like, I just never I could never figure out lyrics to put over it and then John was like man let's just um why don't we just throw that lick over these lyrics and actually speed it up and then uh and it actually worked out really great and literally within like 20 minutes so I was like holy shit this actually works perfectly over this and then we knew about kind of like all right we got a banger here we went from having a ballad that 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 we were bored of <laughs> to like having a song that is become a crowd favorite and we play it we'll play it tonight we play it so many nights and uh it usually gets the party everyone in the room fire it up i like that ballads to bangers there's a there's a poster for you um, yeah, it's a podcast. <laughs> do they do they uh i'm fascinated do they when they when you say lay your you know your ass on the ground do they have to they have to change is there like a radio edit of that you know you know like zach brown had yeah, to do you know toes yeah. in the water toes in the sand <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe because I don't know. I'm not really sure, but we didn't. We said it. Maybe that's why it wasn't a number one. But yeah, I don't exactly. know. I, you know, it certainly was a, a big song for us and did very well. And it's and you know, our audience loves just you know. I think it's the thing I've really found in this business is that people just really love you just being who you are to a certain extent. I mean, some people don't like it. You know that you know, especially if you talking about politics and start talking about some personal views a lot of people tend not like that not which is understandable but i do think there is an element where people really like to just get up to understand who you are to, to to what are you about what do you stand for you know and and i think that's kind of what john and i have always just unabashedly been ourselves we've always kind of we maybe have ruffled some feathers along the way but we've just been ourselves and 
you know, I think it's okay to have differences. John and I talk about all the time how we disagree on lots of stuff and we're in a band together and we're some, we're family, you know, and, um, you know, and I think at that point it is just, you know, I think people do love to hear someone just come out and, and not try to filter themselves to try to fit the mold that someone else wants them to be. So it, it works out. I think it's just our, our crowd loves that kind of stuff. So it, it, it fit, it fit what we do. <clears throat> oh yeah. The, the authenticity shines through for sure. Well, tell me about all night. My listeners will kill me. The country fans that listen to this, uh, they will kill me if I don't at least ask about all night. Cause that, that was probably one of your, another huge, huge hit of at least of recent years. Um, uh, yeah. Any memories of, you know, recording that in studio? Yeah, this is John, by the way. Um, we wrote that <clears throat> along with the title track of our last record skeletons um, with a guy named Andrew de Roberts. He's a fellow guitar lover and total music nerd like we are. And we write really well with him. He, he's always vibed uh, really well. And he had this baritone guitar sitting around and um, I didn't own one at the time. <clears throat> at the time, And I picked it up and just literally the first thing I played, I wasn't even thinking. The best things that we always come up, up, up with, I feel like is when we're not actually thinking about it. And I wasn't even thinking, I just played the opening riff to all night the i just played that one time and tj was like that's awesome that's what we're writing over i'm like oh, okay all right sure it just happened like that it was a lot of times you have to search for the riff but it just happened very naturally and um tj just started kind of riffing on the ideas of like you know these kind of couplets you know i got this if you got that i've got this if you got that and we wanted to do something that felt like um um, like an homage to a bit of Rolling Stones and 80s ZZ Top. <clears throat> and, you know, there are days when you want to write the meaningful song about life and all of all of the things that tug on the heartstrings. But some days you just want to have as much fun as you can lyrically. And that was one of those days. We weren't overthinking it. We were just trying to en enjoy ourselves. And then it, it came together. Um, pretty much as you hear it is exactly how we wrote it. You know, however, we went into the studio, touched everything up, made it where it, what it needs to be. But as you heard, it was how we recorded it as a demo that day. And um, it just threw itself together. We just didn't overthink it. I love it. Well, maybe only time for one more, but I, I love that your Dirks Bentley um, collab, uh, Burning yeah. Man, a little bit steady, still a little bit Rolling Stone. Um, what's it like working with Dirks? And, and you know, and, and the the, you know, what's the secret behind like a, a good collaboration right there? Because not everyone plays well together, but, but Dirks and yeah. you guys really sounded good together. Thanks. This is John again. So Dirks Bentley, um, in my own opinion, is one of the best people in country music, if not in the world. He is um, a very kind, loving person, doesn't take himself seriously, very easy to get along with. And we went out on tour with him, um, or we were about to be out on tour with him. And he sent us um, that song um, for us to sing on. And, you know, it, we're actually very picky about those sorts of things. And I was a little nervous to be honest with you. So when he sent us the version, I can't remember if it was a demo or they had started recording it, but it was a version of the song. And immediately I loved it because it sounded like something that we would do. And a lot of times if it's, you know, just really far off, I won't even like pressure TJ because I can already tell it's just not going to work. And I texted him. I was like, dude, you got to hear the song, man. It sounds like something we would actually do. Like we would write. I'm kind of pissed that we didn't. And obviously getting into uh, to, to 
collab with Dirks is so easy. He makes everything easy, everything fun. Um, it's a great song. Um, we're very lucky to be a part of it. And it's one of the many defining moments of our career. That song went number one. Um, we played it on tour with uh, Dirks that, uh, that year. And we won um, an award for musical event of the year. And it was a very, very big moment for us. And we're very grateful to Dirks for um, not only involving us uh, on that song, but having us be a part of, of his big musical family. We, we're very, very lucky to be, to be uh, you know, the, um, you know, the, the, the stepbrothers for him. <laughs> the stepbrothers Osborne. There you go. Stepbrothers Osborne. <laughs> well, he's just as lucky to ha have you two. I mean, you get, you, you're rocking it. So um, we can't wait. We can't wait to see you at the Anthem. Um, anything else that I didn't ask you that, that I should have asked you about? I feel oh, like we covered great, a lot. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, everyone, Brothers Osborne at the Anthem in Washington, D.C., November 19th, fresh off of their CMA award, their fourth vocal duo of the year victory. So come see them now. Get it while it's hot. <laughs> All right. Thank thanks so much. much see you, bud. I have a good one. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.